guys, how's it going? Is that a trick, yo-yo? Why isn't my yo-yo coming back up? Can you walk the dog? The Offset Yo-Yo Podcast. Hey guys, how's it going? So, another episode of the Offset Yo-Yo Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Vu, two-time Australian national yo-yo champion and yo-yoing YouTuber. Okay, today's guest is super, super exciting. Today we're interviewing Andre Boulay. If you guys don't know who that is, you've been living under a rock. You're not in the yo-yoing scene. Andre has had such a monumental impact on the yo-yoing scene. It is crazy. Um, my personal experience was I started yo-yoing in 2009. Um, and then how I started was I got the Yo-Yo Jam Legacy, which was unresponsive Yo-Yo Jam Yo-Yo. That also happened to be designed by Andre. And I looked up yo-yoing tutorials found Andre's tutorials on Expert Village and basically crunched through all of those. And that was how I had the foundational, um, yeah, the foundational trick set that basically um, allows me to play the way I do today. So if and if I could credit anyone to teach me or, yeah, anyone who taught me how to yo-yo, it would be Andre. And a lot of players from my generation who started around the same time I did would probably say the same. Um, that being said, um, you know, even though Andre had this huge impact on basically my entire yo-yoing ability, I didn't really know much about him on a personal level. So this was a super, super interesting interview for me to kind of uncover the man himself. So Andre has had a super long relationship with yo-yoing. Um, throughout this interview, we discuss everything from how he got started to ultimately um, his competitive go at things. Like I didn't really know much about Andre's competitive career. We then talk about how he got onto Yo-Yo Jam, how he became team captain, what it was like designing Dark Magic. What was his setup on the Dark Magic? Um, we talk a little bit about the Yo-Yo Jam legacy, which was just, you know, my personal interest. And then we kind of just mix and match in between. And um, Andre has had such a long yo-yo career that this was more of a history lesson for me as well. And it also kind of doubled up on how things used to be. So I think we discuss how yo-yoing transitioned from one thing to the next. Um, and we also talk about yo-yo expert. We talk about how yo-yo expert began and how ultimately Andre worked to create what it is today. So it's a super, super long and wide ranging episode. One other thing I'd like to um, shout out, I'm going to be doing an AMA on Yo-Yo Expert. So you guys are going to have the opportunity to ask me literally anything. Um, if you guys want to keep it about Yo-Yoing, you can do that. Or you can ask me about anything else. I'm pretty much pretty bad at everything else. So I don't know how much my advice will be on other things, but yes, I'm going to be on the Yo-Yo Expert forums from the 31st of May till the 2nd of June, um, Sydney time, and go ahead, take a look at Yo-Yo Expert for more information on that. I'll be answering the questions, and there's also a few variants, signed variants that I sent to Andre up for grabs. Um, I'm not sure how he'll distribute those just yet, but that's also going to be super exciting. So you guys can go ahead and check that out. But without further ado, I know you guys want to hear the man himself. So please enjoy my super wide ranging conversation with the man himself, Andre Boulay. Hi, Andre. Welcome to the show. Hey, Brandon. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, before we um, get started on this, I just want to publicly thank you for like everything that you do. Um, but you know, me and probably hundreds of thousands of other yo-yoers owe their yo-yoing ability to you. So just wanted to like the fact that well, I'm, I'm even talking right now to you, the person who taught me you how know, to yo-yo is crazy. Uh, it's, it's a, it's a two way street there. You know, I'm uh, also very thankful to everyone who's kind of allowed me to kind of make, make a job out of, out of yo-yoing. And, um, I was, I was lucky enough to be able to start that like at a pretty young age, um, and be able to like do like a lot of crazy traveling and do a lot of cool things all because of yo-yo and because people like supported, 
you know, what I did and, and connected with me and stuff like that. So, you know, without, without people like you and like, yeah, I totally appreciate that. And, and I appreciate that people can see, you know, that I've had an impact and, and much at the same time, I wouldn't have had the impact had it not been for people like embracing yo-yo, you know, around me and everything. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think it's just, it's crazy to think how many people you've, you've probably impacted. I mean, there are, I, I can like, I remember I was with a, um, a friend of mine, um, and he's a pretty skeptical kind of guy. He doesn't really get excited <laughs> over sure, uh-huh. a lot of stuff, but, um, we, we were in Tokyo and then we kind of bumped into you and Eric Koloski and mm-hmm. he was just dumbfounded. He's like, Oh, my heroes. <laughs> and it was this oh, most skeptical guy. That's always like, Oh, such and such is overrated. But when oh, he shoot. was now like, I wish I, uh, I wish I remembered this moment. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh, I, I'm sure it happens to you on like a daily basis. Um, whenever you meet yo-yo players, but yeah, it was yeah, yeah. Imran Tio for um any of the australian guys who are watching this but um oh, that's great <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah no i mean it it is it, it never it never gets old though like i do i still i still very much appreciate that interaction yeah you, know, you being being a yo-yo celebrity is always like kind of the best of both worlds because uh you know you get to walk out into the public and mm. you're you're a normal person <laughs> um but then like you walk into like a yo-yo scene and all of a sudden people are like oh my god like you're so so and it's amazing. And and you you get that little bit of like, oh this is what it feels like to be this famous person. And then you get to walk away from it. That's it's the best of both worlds, honestly. So <laughs> And I think as far as yo your celebrity goes, um yeah, I think you're you're definitely up there, especially for um because it's, it's odd. I'm actually a little bit nervous to have this conversation. I was talking with <laughs> like Gentry and Marcus and mm-hmm. they're like world champs, but I don't know. It was like, they didn't teach me how to yo-yo. So it, it very much feels like I'm talking to the, uh, the master meet your maker, so to speak. It's very, uh, very surreal for me. Awesome. Well, I, I appreciate that. It is, it is always interesting how, like when you learn something from somebody, it, regardless of like, you know, who they are, what level they're at or whatever, like that, that interaction of learning a skill from somebody like has such a huge impact on you personally in terms of how you look at that person and stuff. And I mean, much the same for me too, like in, in all the different realms, like whether it's photography or, or tech computers, I do a lot of stuff where like I learn how to do all sorts of random, weird automation tech things in my computer. And there's a few people like I follow and, and that happens, right. When you get like obsessed with something and you learn from those people, like those people become kind of bigger than, than life. And when you actually get to meet them, it is, it's like, wow. Um, but <laughs> It's, it's also good to remember we're all just normal people and, uh, you know, we're just doing what we love to do. Mm. Um, so you don't, you don't need to be nervous. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, thank you. Thank you for the reassurance. Um, so a question that I, I really want to start off with is, sure. um, what was the very beginning of your yo-yoing journey? Who was, who was your Andre? Like, how did you learn to yo-yo? Uh, yeah, great, great question. So, um, I started in early 2000. Um, it was kind of right around when yo-yoing wasn't cool anymore. Uh, back in 1998, 1999, the United States had like the big yo-yo boom. Um, it's, it's when THP, um, was really big. Evan, the father was, was a huge force behind that. Um, you know, Proyo was really big and, and across the country, it was just a boom, you know, they could not ship and sell yo-yos fast enough. There was such a high demand. And, um, it very quickly crashed, you know, um, at the end of 98 into 99 and, you know, yo-yos were available for sale for like, like a buck at every toy store in the United States you went to. And it just wasn't cool anymore. Like, you know, kids had decided it was cool in 98. Everybody had a Omega fireball and all of a sudden 99, 2000. Um, if you were caught dead with a yo-yo, like it just wasn't a cool thing anymore. Um, and that for some reason was when I decided to think it was really cool. <laughs> Very um, and I got really, I got, <laughs> it's like, I got really lucky, um, because there is this awesome toy store that's in our area. Um, that funny enough, like me and my wife now own and run. Um, but we, uh, 
my my mother and my brother um, went to the toy store because she had found out that they did yo-yo classes and she actually wanted to bring my little brother. Um, I was, I guess I was 13 or 14 at the time. Um, and he's five years younger than me. So I think he was like around nine. And, uh, at the class, even to this day, you know, we usually kind of focus on like between eight to 12 years old. It's a lot of the kids that are coming. So at the time I kind of was like, had no interest in yo-yo to be completely honest. I clearly remember we visited the store and there was a kid at the, the case because they have a whole case of yo-yos on display. And I remember watching him at the case, was looking at the yo-yos very obsessively as we all do. Um, and then I watched him like throw the yo-yo down and, and bring it back up. And all I remember thinking was like, like, you know, not to be mean, but like, wow, what a nerd. Um, <laughs> like I would, I would never be caught dead doing that. You know, like I had this whole thought in my head. Um, and the, the people at the, at the register fixed, uh, the yo-yo for my brother. And we left, um, and came back another day for the yo-yo class. And I still remember like to this day, I, my mom's like, Oh, do you want to come with us? And I'm like, uh, not really, but like, if we're going to the toy store, like maybe I'll find something cool. Right. Uh, but I'm not, I'm not going to pick up a yo-yo. So we bring him to the class. Um, and my brother starts kind of learning how to do it. And there was this really great teacher at the class whose name was Jim Batello. Um, and he, he was a amazing teacher. And I remember standing on the sidelines, like watching my brother and he came up to me and he's like, Hey, like you gotta learn how to yo-yo. You're here. You gotta learn how to yo-yo. And I just remember being like, uh, you know, I'm okay. I'm okay. And he really kind of challenged me. Um, and at the time it was funny because the other yo-yo my mom had brought with us was a Yomega brain. And I had gotten it. I still remember to this day, I got it for Christmas one morning and it was it was uh, a clear Omega brain. It was like one of the original ones. It had this like really crazy gold print on the side from fall river, Massachusetts. It was one of the original originals and uh, I could never get it to work. I didn't know how, how it worked. There was like a knot around the axle. So he like fixed it, put a strain on it and kind of, you know, taught me how to throw. And there was something funny about that yo-yo though, because the the clutch mechanism inside it had actually broken. Uh-huh. So it was almost impossible to get it to sleep. <laughs> and he, he even tried it and he could barely get it to sleep, but it was the yo-yo I had it with me. So he left it with me. And my brother at the time, again, five years younger, I was always pretty competitive. Of course, <laughs> his brothers are, you know, yeah. he, uh, he got better at throwing uh, than I did quite quickly. Um, and I kind of just got obsessed at that point to get this thing to spin at the end of the string. Um, and you know, it was something too, it was a revelation to me that yo-yos could spin at the end of the string, because as far as I knew up until that point in time, um, I just thought they went up and down. I didn't know they could spin at the end. Mm. So I went home, um, stole my brother's fireball and I just shot through the list of tricks as fast as I could start going to the classes and it just kind of took off from there. Gosh. So, you know, to me, like the, my first teacher there was Jim. Um, and sorry, and what, then, was, what was his Jim? Uh, Jim Batello. Okay. So he's a, Is he still- he, he's not, he's not really into the yo-yo scene anymore. He, uh, at the time, I think he was going to college in the area. Mm. And, uh, he was working at the store just kind of as an employee at the toy store. Okay. So he found yo-yo yo- through the toy store. Mm. Most of the people that were teaching yo-yo there kind of just fell into it. Um, another person who actually got his start at A to Z, um, which is a toy store. It's A to Z science yeah, and learning. Yeah, I was about to ask that as well. Uh, yeah. Yeah. A to Z science and learning in Northampton, Massachusetts. Mm. Um, and we still, to this day, we teach yo-yo classes three days a week. and. Uh, so Jim Batello and then Brett Uchkunis, um, who was a pretty famous yo-yo player, um, especially at that time. And he still mm. goes around, does a ton of shows and stuff like that. Ooch. Um, oh, right. It's yeah. also known as. <laughs> also known as Ooch. <laughs> that's kind of his, uh, that's that, his yeah. personality too and everything like that. That was, um, yeah, that's probably what I'm familiar with. I was like, who's this? And I'm like, oh, him, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ooch. Yeah, it's. I'm I'm super surprised that was how you began yo-yoing because you seem like this incredibly passionate guy about yo-yoing and you <laughs> kind of um it started out out of spite and actually thinking <laughs> about my own story it is remarkably similar um oh, yeah. 
I also started off with a variation of the brain and I nice. also had a younger cousin who was had had the yo-yo that could spin and I was like what and I also was trying to kind of beat that cousin into yo-yoing as well so it was a very similar kind of um story so it's it's interesting that I always thought I was a bit primitive starting off with the brain in 2009 but it's good to know that you kind of started there as well you know, I mean, it's funny with the brain uh, specifically because that yo-yo to this day, like people kind of have this weird obsession around it. Um, and a lot of people still think it's like a great yo-yo to learn on. And so I think a lot of people still start on it, um, you know, despite it, it kind of, you know, a yo-yo that automatically snaps back to you. That's imperial shape. You know, it's not really in the same line as where we go with modern yo-yos and people so quickly outgrow that yo-yo today. But yeah, people do still start with them, but you know, there's something kind of magical about the idea of, you know, technology in yo-yo and that it's got this clutch in a brain that automatically comes back to you. So, you know, as long as people, as long as people get into yo-yo and stick with it, that's all that matters in the long run. So if yeah, that's exactly. how it happens, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, I actually don't know a lot about your competitive career, but how did uh -huh. you, what, after, you know, you're, you're, you're at A to Z, you're going to all the yo-yo lessons. When did you mm -hmm. start mm -hmm. to get competitive? When did you start to be like, okay, this is so, fun. Yeah. So, you know, the way A to Z worked is at the time, Yomega had a whole like kind of program. Um, you know, it was team Omega and they had the levels. And so the concept was the stores that ran classes, um, which were very far and few between. I'm not sure if there were many stores <laughs> doing it, maybe like bird in hand and Chico where the national contest happens and mm. A to Z. I know there was a couple others randomly throughout the country. Um, but th there wasn't many, the whole idea was this is a program that should be run across the country. Right. But anyways, so you would learn, go through the levels and then eventually join like team Omega and be connected with other people. And within the store we had, we had a demonstration team. So you'd pass through all the levels and join the demonstration team, which we still do to this day there. Wow. And, uh, sorry. And how so, did you get, yeah. like, was it like, uh, a sports ladder kind of thing. You had to learn a specific amount of tricks before you were a, a graduated yeah, so we still, professional. Exactly. So, so we still do it to this day. I mean, the list looks completely different now. Um, especially with the you know, unresponsive because at the time, uh, you know, early two thousands, like we still were playing with yo-yos that came back to our hands. Like mm. the bind wasn't really invented yet. So the hardest trick on the list, the last trick you had to pass before you were on team Omega, um, was two handed loops. So as you can imagine, took, took some people a very long time. Uh, the other, the other two tricks that were on there that again, killed people, um, we shoot the moon and vertical loops, you oh know, like gosh. looping tricks. Yeah. Wow. Um, Cause yeah. Oh, it's so hard. And there's one trick too. So, uh, on level two, um, the last trick on the list was called dog around the block. And if you look it up, basically you have to throw like a UFO, um, and the yo-yo spinning sideways kind of. And you, it hits the string and it's basically like sideways walk the dog and it has to hit three bases. <laughs> so it's like one to your right, one down the middle and one all the way to your left. And then you have to shoot it and loop out and catch. Oh, wow. um, and it was hard to control it without it snapping back in the middle of the trick um, yeah. and keep the spin time and everything like that. So like, yeah, there were, it, it was a very different world for yo-yo tricks yeah. and everything like it's that. It's almost like a different um, set of skills. Like I can't imagine even doing any totally. of that. So yeah, totally, totally. Yeah. I mean, and so the, you know, that's how it worked basically. And we still do this to this day. We just have completely different lists that we've kind of like remastered into, I just, I actually just relaunched it in January with a whole new list of tricks and stuff as we're kind of getting ready to rebuild it. Um, and probably I'll probably be reusing this on yo-yo expert in terms of a trick program that I can try and help places, uh, you know, run wherever they need that kind of thing, especially at clubs or whatever. Um, but yeah, so you, basically the idea is, you know, you teach on this trick list, which is a really I, ideally each trick kind of builds off each other or gives you elements that help you on the next level. And at the end of the classes, we do a test session. And so everybody gets, uh, you know, two tries per trick. And if you get the trick, it gets checked off your trick list. 
and as you advance the levels, um, you know, you can advance through and eventually you can join our demonstration team and oh, stuff wow. like that. Like yo-yo exams. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it kind of keeps it fun, keeps it exciting, keeps you progressing and, and trying to work towards that next trick. It's really important. So, um, <clears throat> so yeah, I, I followed through that, you know, kind of program. I, I eventually um, made it through Shoot the Moon and Vertical Loops and <laughs> Loops. Um, and join the team. And at the time it was kind of cool. We had a really amazing group of players on the East coast here in Massachusetts. Um, <clears throat> some of the names are Jordan Cooper, Nate Sutter, Alex Lazeniak. If you look up those guys, they were, they were pretty phenomenal and had a pretty big impact actually on, um, trick innovation at the time because yep. between them and then the West coast, so like Paul Escalar and, um, like it's when Gabe, um, was running sector Y, that was a really big site at the time. Mm. They were like putting <laughs> out videos and stuff. So, you know, there was just this insane amount of, again, they were just inventing tricks. So I was around when like Nate Sutter, like came up with plastic wit. Um, wow. And that was like, you know, and I still remember like <clears throat> one year they like went, I can't remember who went to national yo-yo contest, but like they came back with slick six yellow string. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> and it was the first time. Cause I think prior to that, we must've been using like, I think we were using like cotton. I don't know. Slick six wasn't really a thing yet. It was kind of oh, brand new. And what year was and, this? Um, I mean, it's probably in early two thousands still like 2001, 2002, I think. Okay. I'm trying to remember. Mm. They had like neon yellow slick six and it was like, Oh my God, like, what is this amazing stuff? It works so well and it doesn't grab, you know? Yeah. Um, and then, you know, in that same timeline, you know, the bind came out mm. um, and, and it was a progression too. Like for me, um, there were two yo-yos specifically that kind of broke into this. It was yep. the renegade mm. um, by super yo. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Yo. Yeah, I actually um, am. I was, it was, it was beaten into me by um, the, the Australian veterans, but yeah. And uh, nice. yeah, <laughs> I mean, it was actually, it was a really cool yo-yo because it's still to this day. Um, the, the parts, the axle inside can actually, um, you can swap it. So you can change the shape from Imperial to butterfly. Oh, wow. Um, which there's not really a yo-yo in the market right now that does that still, mm, mm. but you could pop the axle out and spin it around. So you could swap the two halves. Um, <laughs> and I mean, it was a horrible looping yo-yo. It wasn't any good for as an Imperial, but yeah. it was an amazing butterfly yo-yo. And as the bearing broke in, um, and it spun smoother, the starbursts, would also melt. And so eventually there just wasn't much response left. And if you let the bearings start spinning that smooth, they wouldn't come back up very well. Yeah. And so those yo-yos were getting pretty close, but I mean, if you threw hard enough, they would still and you said back. two yo-yos? Um, what, was, what, was the, what was another yo-yo? Right. So, so the next one after that was the original Duncan freehand. Oh, wow. Um, okay. So, and that was a pretty big deal when that came out. And it, again, funny story about that too. We had a guy that was at our club that, um, helped kind of like figure out the design around that. Cause he was modifying Duncan wheels. Um, his name was Stan Zygo and he was pretty good friends with Steve Brown at the time. So he had modified some, some Duncan bearing wheels, oh, wow. um, bearing, bearings inside them and had like machined parts to make it all work and stuff like that. So they kind of <laughs> like based freehand original freehand off that. Oh wow. Off like a so, skateboard wheel. <laughs> well, it was actually off the Duncan wheel, which is still a yo-yo that's out there. Okay. Um, yeah. If you look it up, it's like, it's just a, it's a very plain fixed axle. I mean, it looks like a freehand basically. It's very rounded shape, mm. um, but it has like hubcap kind of looking things on the side. Okay. And it, I mean, it was a horrible yo-yo cause it just had a metal axle. So it barely spun when you threw it down and it wouldn't, <laughs> wouldn't come back well, but you could modify it, throw a bearing in it, and then you can make a pretty decent yo-yo. Um, but you'd have to do some heavy duty work. So anyways, when, when that yo-yo came out, um, that was the introduction of the friction sticker. Oh, wow. And that was a pretty big deal because before friction stickers, it was still just starburst response. And so it's just raised plastic. So the friction sticker, you know, was a rubber coated sticker that you stuck into the yo-yo. And what would happen is, you know, when you got that yo-yo with two stickers inside of it, it was pretty responsive and people would use it like that, but they quickly found out you could just take one sticker out and, and use it with one sticker on one side. And as the rubber wore off on that sticker, 
um, it would become less and less responsive. And then eventually the rubber would be completely gone. The bearing would start spinning smooth. And again, you'd get this yo-yo that just wouldn't quite come back to your hand. Um, and those two yo-yos, at least around our time, um, really started like kind of pulling the need for the bind. You just kind of figured out like, okay, yeah. like here it goes. Like, I guess I need to get it back somehow <laughs> and I can kind of use the string. Um, um, do you have any idea who invented the bind or was it an intuitive thing? <laughs> well, I mean, if you really want to say who invented the bind, I've had this conversation a lot with some other people. <laughs> um, I think John Gates claims <laughs> to have invented it to a certain extent. Austrian, I don't know if you know John Gates, but Austrian guy. Um, cause if you, he had a very long time ago, I guess, actually, um, Duncan demonstrators a very long time ago would do a trick where they would throw the yo-yo off string and catch it on the string spinning. Mm. Um, it was just a catch yep. and in order to get it back to your hand, the only way to get a yo-yo that's not connected to the string back to your yep. hand would be to, to do a bind to bind it. Um, so, you know, it was kind of more of like a little party trick style thing that they would do. And so you could say the bind was possibly invented a very long time ago. <laughs> um, and I know John, you know, John was pretty good with this kind of thing, even further back than that. And off string was out by that time too. Mm. So in a certain extent, you know, off string also kind of pulled that in right? Because like they were, they were already doing what you would consider a bind to a certain yeah. extent. So it's really difficult to say, cause it was very natural progression evolution. Mm, yeah. Um, I, I still remember, um, the yo-yo that taught me how to bind was the yo-yo jam night moves. Um, uh, that yo-yo had a large bearing, um, mm. that and the Patriot, um, <laughs> by yo-yo jam. Those two yo-yos were the first two yo-yos to use what is now the standard, the yeah. see bearing gosh that must um, have been a revelation to have like these small bearings <laughs> and then to be like wow we're gonna like up the size and it's like this well, perfect yeah i i can still so vividly remember these videos <laughs> coming in um i i still remember where i was standing we opened the box early uh in the back of the store um in the warehouse we we're in and we looked at them and we were like I didn't even know they were coming in. I hadn't heard anything about them because the internet was still fairly new. <laughs> and you just like looked at it and I was like, whoa, what are these? Um, and the night moves in particular was just <clears throat> this stunning yo-yo because it was, you know, clear polycarbonate, really large wind body with stainless steel rims. Mm. And it just the way it caught the light and everything, it was just like, man, this looks cool. <laughs> and then you throw it down and it's got this huge gap, you know, and the bearings <laughs> big and you're just like, wow, like what, what is this? Like, this is kind of like a, a very different thing. Right. And so, yeah, you're right. I mean, with the large bearing, you know, our, our, your first thing, your first thought is kind of like, is this really necessary? Yeah. <laughs> like, is this really going to make this any better? Um, and then, you know, the more you play with it, that bearings start breaking in and that yo-yo would not come back up without a bind after a while. Yep. So like, it was just a necessity because like, even with the free hand and the renegade, I felt like I could throw hard enough yep. and pull back straight enough that mm. it would catch, but the night moves, no. um, it just wasn't going to come back. Um, so for me, that really kind of, you know, and, and what made um, that a thing as the, I'm not a hundred percent familiar with the original night moves. What response system did it have? So that was still Starburst. Okay. The, uh, the first yo-yo jam yo-yo that introduced the O-ring um, was called the Matrix. And okay. that was much further down the road, actually. Mm. Um, yeah, it was it was quite a ways down. Because <laughs> I think uh, I was doing, I still remember when he showed up with the Matrix because I was on a, we went to the Smithsonian in Washington, D.C. for a demonstration and uh smithsonian science museum that's down there and he showed up with the o-ring and the matrix and it was like going to be this breakthrough and, <laughs> and yo-yo design to him you know like he thought this would change everything and it did to a and certain extent it, did, it yeah. definitely led the silicone yeah and um wow <laughs> so but that would have been in 2002 i think end of 2002 possibly so mm. Okay. Um, yeah. And so, so all this new yeah, tech is coming out. Um, and when does the, when do competitions like we know it today, more or less kind of evolve? Yeah, yeah. 
So for me, like my, I, I started going to contests, I guess in 2001 or so, mm. um, we had a, a couple decent events around our area put on by a few different people. Um, there was a guy that went out to, that went to a, like a tech school by us that ran, it was called WPI. It was actually a pretty big event at the time. Mm. And, uh, you know, they were, it was kind of freestyle play was still pretty new. Um, you know, a sports ladder was still a pretty big thing, took up a decent amount of competition, but people were doing freestyles. And, uh, I mean, I totally jumped into that and (laughs) kind of practiced the freestyle and stuff, but yeah, I mean, it was a completely different thing. Mm, (laughs) But you know, at its, at its core, um, I guess it still is the same in the sense that, you know, you're clicking, you're doing as many tricks as you can possible. Um, but there was, how did the, you know, this is probably such a primitive question from like a a, a new school kid, but how did the scoring system work back then? Were you still like, how did you click for an element? Like, did it? Yeah. I mean, well, it's still, it's, it's, it's not too far off. I mean, we've, you know, in the past, 10 years, um, thanks largely to the work in Japan. Um, they've really created a system that still at its core clicks tricks, um, based on perceived difficulty. Mm. Um, you know, and that was basically what it was. It was just the, the click part. Right. Um, so ideally, you know, you would get a trick for each element and each transition and then overall, how hard is the trick? Mm. Um, but it was very much judge based, you know, each judge would judge completely differently. Yeah. Um, and, and each judge was very opinionated. <laughs> um, I can still remember actually Jordan Cooper. If you look him up, mm. um, amazing, amazing, so far ahead of his time. I mean, all, all three of these guys that were yo-yoing on the team at the time out here were so far ahead of their time, mm. but Jordan in particular can still do tricks. Nobody does. Um, and he would do very, very complicated technical, um, like almost ladder esque, you know, but like really insane mounts where yeah. it looks like he's tying a knot and then he'd get out of it. And it was, you know, back at a time when people were doing double or nothing and like iron <laughs> whip had just come out and suicide was new. So for him to be doing these crazy technical mounts, like nobody could really touch that. Yeah. And I still remember like one of the judges, um, was pretty harsh with him and, like he didn't score very well. And the judge was just like, yeah, well, like I couldn't really tell what you were doing. <laughs> like, and like, it didn't really look like, like what you were doing was that hard. It just looked like a bunch of knots and then you got out of it. And uh, so like, you know, if you were a yo-yo player, you'd look at those tricks and go, Oh my God, like how was he doing that? And you know how many hours he spent practicing that. Mm. Um, but then you'd get a judge who just couldn't even grasp it. And so he didn't score well. <laughs> And, you know, I mean, we still, and, this day, you could it's say, funny. It's like more or less, still that's still problem. a problem, right? Yeah, <laughs> sure. It's uh, sure. I mean, I think like less so, I think we've gotten a little more strict about who is judging and ideally, um, how they look at tricks, especially in Japan, um, put a lot of effort into people being able to understand, um, what is difficult, what isn't. And also, um, you know, you don't get points for repeating elements. Um, yeah. so that was so a big thing. Obviously a people kind of do the now. same trick. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, so I mean, they've kind of, you know, as things crept up and became problems that we've always corrected the judging system and tried to fix the thing that allowed someone to win in kind of a cheap way or whatever people mm. would feel like. And so we get the system we have now, which is, you know, very specific clicking, um, to compose a certain amount of tech score. And then everything else is broken into evaluation scores that are either technical difficulty or performance and all different categories within that. So, you know, but yeah, I mean, back then, you know, performance just wasn't really a thing. You would say like you click performance. So if you hit something to the beat, you get more points. And if you really hit to the beat, you'd probably get double points. Um, but I mean, nobody was doing routines back then that like were, you know, when you watch Evan, the gal today, um, you know, it's just like unreal, like yep. the story he tells with that mm. song from beginning to end and the way he's hitting the music, like nobody was really quite doing that. Um, I still remember the first freestyle. I feel like that really, really hit to the music with such an impact, um, was there was a year that Paul Hahn, um, probably should have won worlds, but I think he got second. 
Um, it was to a song. I think it's called Rockstar. Um, oh, yeah, he that and, was 2006, and, right? It was, that sounds about right. Um, but man, he he hit to the music that year so well. And I still remember like when he did that, it was like, it was one of the first times I saw somebody connect to a song in such a dynamic way. Um, and then it just continued to progress from there. I mean, John Ando, mm. um, when he won worlds and really changed everything, that was another good example of somebody who mm. understood the, how to connect to a song, um, for impacts, you know, and yeah. you know, there's been lots of others and I'm sure there was others before there was, but those two really stick out in my head. So. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, so anyways, like long story short and all that too, I, I started competing, you know, back in around 2001, I guess. Um, and for me, I was always a teacher first. Um, you know, the most important thing when I first got onto the yo-yo team was actually like, can I work at the store and do this as a job and teach people how to yo-yo? Um, so for me, it was always much more of a focus on that. I, I enjoyed competing. I really enjoyed creating a routine, um, especially the music that I liked and kind of getting up on stage. It was like, I hadn't really been big into sports in high school or anything. So it was definitely like an outlet of, for being, you know, kind of like my art. Yeah. So I definitely, definitely enjoyed competing on that level. Um, but I wasn't so focused on always winning. Mm. Um, so like my energy really went into teaching. I put a lot of effort into like figuring out the best way to teach whatever trick it was that we were teaching at yo-yo school. Yeah. And, uh, like I still remember I would focus on even like, like trying to do it with my left hand and <laughs> teach someone a trick from being left-handed because it's much easier if they're right-handed to learn from <laughs> left-handed in person because they can just do exactly what you're doing. So I would teach Eiffel tower backwards and oh, wow. stuff like that so that you could, they could learn faster and stuff like that. So my energy was always kind of spent there. And, uh, eventually, I mean, I did definitely, you know, got pretty big into competing. I would always get really stressed out at worlds because we used to have compulsories. So it was before, (laughs) um, you know, they, they didn't have, if you don't know what compulsories are, it was, yeah, you know, you had this list of 10 tricks and in order to be able to freestyle, you had to do the 10 tricks and you got five Mm. points for your first try, (laughs) three points for your second try, something like that. Uh, And uh, if you didn't hit it, you know, you didn't get the points or whatever. And I would always get so stressed out trying to pull that off (laughs) um, and never, never make it to to world's freestyle. Cause I just like got so in my head on that. Um, But I also didn't really give it that many years before I was like working with yo-yo jam and stuff, but I did compete. I got, I, I won uh, the Massachusetts State Contest we out, out here a couple of years in a row. And I won the Northeast Regional Contest. Mm. And then I went to the National Yo-Yo Contest and got fifth. Oh, wow. Uh, and are these videos online? You know, I, I'm not sure if fifth place is... I haven't been able to find that video. Mm. So if somebody has that video and can find it, feel free to send it over to me. Yeah. Um, it's been a long time since I've seen it. I used to have it like on... Because at the time, you know, we would download this stuff to hard drives. Like there was no YouTube or anything. All so, right. uh, so the videos are floating out there on <laughs> they, somebody's they drive. Somewhere. Sure. <laughs> Which I think like, man, I want to say like Shane Karen uploaded them that year or something like that. I remember like, it was just like, he kind of got lucky. Somebody filmed, had enough, uh, bandwidth <laughs> to put it on their server, um, to, to send out all the files. So at the time too, it was expensive to share, the share files through the internet that were that big, um, especially freestyle videos that are yeah. three minutes long, you know? I mean, at the time too, when I first started, I was on dial up internet <laughs> and, uh, it would take, I still remember I would go, I would go to bed. I would start downloading a video <laughs> and I would wake up the next morning. So excited um, to watch the video. And then I would find out that like, 20 seconds into the video, like, you know, I lost the connection to the internet. So I only had 20 seconds, but I was like, Oh my God, I have 20 seconds of tricks that I haven't seen before to watch. And it was like, so exciting. Oh my gosh. Very different time in that sense. It's, um, it's, I I find it fascinating to hear about, um, everything that you've done because in the Australian yo-yoing scene, we're very far behind. So when you were mentioning <laughs> compulsories, I yeah, yeah. I have personally had to do compulsories to compete at Australian nationals. So oh, we were using compulsories until recently or to this day. Up until 2011, which is quite recent. 
in okay. like yeah yeah that's in the like, big scheme of things yeah to, i mean yeah sure but um yeah so i was like what is this like the rest of the world is doing these cool like one minute preliminary things like i want to do that but then i go to anyc and it's like can you do throw hand grind and the one that would destroy everyone is like trying to land five suicides in a row like i don't know if that's like <laughs> ever been done in the history of australia but um that sounds rough yeah no and yeah it, it was just yeah it's crazy to think that you know this was it's it's all a part of history right um totally. something totally. else that was actually um a pretty pretty funny i guess is that um i don't know if you know this but i've only ever seen one of your freestyle videos i think it would have been mm-hmm. um ner and it's the one where like you're you're doing to like moonlight shadow <laughs> it's it's like a oh yeah it's kind yep. of like a trans a and i um i cut yep. up a video of kind of comparing your freestyle to um hiroyuki suzuki's 2008 freestyle and i titled the video oh, like, yeah yeah actually i had a lot of people comment on that video <laughs> to me <laughs> and that was so, my first okay. like video yeah. that ever got a bit of traction so um yeah that was edited <laughs> so by you me can, you can uh you can thank thank me for all your fame <laughs> <laughs> basically practically yeah but um no it was just i found it crazy that like <laughs> It was, you know, you, you competed at such a level and this was in 2004 and we're comparing him to 2008 and it was just, it was a very, um, it was a very weird video, but I think it was my very first idea of like, oh wow, people actually watch yo-yo videos. You said that you were very teacher first. What prompted that? Why, why did you have such a passion for teaching? So, you know, at the classes, um, we, you know, I would go in and just kind of, I don't know, it just, it just drew me. I, I thought it was a really cool idea to be able to have a job, um, that was teaching yo-yo. Like, you know, at the time I was 16, so I could, you know, I could get my license and drive here. And so that was like a really exciting, you know, thought. I, I grew up quite in the middle of nowhere, uh, like out in the woods, not, not very close to anything, you know, it took like a 20 minute, 20 minute to 40 minute drive to get anywhere, <laughs> anywhere good. Um, I, I actually lived about, uh, 45 minutes away from the toy store. Um, so it wasn't like a quick, like, okay, I'll just go to work. Like it was kind of a big deal. Um, but at the time, like it was, it was just kind of what I wanted to do. Like I was really excited about the thought of having a job and, and having something to do that wasn't school. And so I just kind of like jumped into it. And so like, you know, whenever I, I, I tend to really, whatever I, whatever I do, I try to do a good job, you know, um, whatever it is in life. And so, you know, my job was to teach yo-yo, um, as well as like sell toys and stuff like that. And so I just kind of took it seriously. Like, this is what I do. And my job is to really get kids into yo-yo. And I think I've always just gotten more out. Like the more I taught, the more I would make connections with kids and Mm. people and families. And that just, you know, really propelled me forward. Um, You know, when you teach somebody a trick and they get it and they're excited to show so-and-so who else they're with that trick they just learned. Mm. Um, I get so much out of that. It just feels so good mm. that it makes you want to just teach everybody more tricks. And I can see the impact it has on kids too, just in the long run. We had people that would show up to yo-yo school who would be like, you know, super introverted, um, could barely make eye contact with you. And, you know, two weeks later, they're, they're in there, you know, doing you know, trapeze or double or nothing. And they're smiling and they're talking and they're outgoing and they have this skill that they can show their friends and people. And it gives them this incredible confidence boost. Mm. And I think that just continued to build on it for me where it's like, man, this is such a good thing. Mm. Uh, so, you know, it just continued to reinforce the fact that this this is what I want to do. I love teaching yo-yo. Mm. So yeah, I mean, it's kind of, that's just what drew me. Like for me, it was always about teaching people yo-yo first. And, uh, I, I still obviously practice for my own good. Like, like I still love to learn tricks to this day. Mm. Uh, I mean, I just, 
just learned a sweet trick on Instagram the other day that I've been doing nonstop for the past couple of days. Um, I don't have as much like free time just to throw between like having the different businesses and two kids. Mm. Um, but like I still fit it in. I still learn and wow. it still feels just as good to learn a new trick. You know I mean? It, it really does. Like it, yeah. to this day you learn a new trick. It just like, yes, like it just hits those parts of your brain yeah. for like the best thing ever. So that, that dopamine surge. Yeah, totally. Um, when did you, um, and I, I guess we've kind of like modeled up the timeline a bit, but when did you become, uh, the yo-yo jam team captain? When did that, or when did you officially get on team yo-yo jam? <laughs> so that, that's a good story too. Um, so the way yo-yo jam worked at the time, um, they had team members spread throughout the country and their idea was that they wanted to have somebody in each region of the country. And I think the idea was that they would represent them at contests and they would try and encourage them to visit stores or whatever and get their yo-yos in stores or whatever. And so the person who was the Northeast uh, captain, I think it was, or whatever, um, was Matt. His name is totally escaping me. Um, he had a signature yo-yo called the wicked factor. Okay. I have to look up his name. Oh my God. I can't remember. Yeah. He was actually in a, com- he was in a McDonald's commercial. Oh gosh. Um, okay. Yeah. He was, he was, and he, he was known for being really fast, um, on a yo-yo or whatever. But anyways, at the time he got his signature yo-yo, the wicked factor, which was just a, uh, David Capurro Cappy factor. Not that any of these yo-yos mean anything to anybody today, but at the time they were like a really big deal. (laughs) Yeah. The the Cappy factor was like a really big deal. Everybody was throwing a Cappy factor at the time. It was a, it was a hot, hot pink, (laughs) like a really neon hot pink with silver rims and had these like cool yellow black caps on the side. It was just a really neat yo-yo. I'm I'm totally, totally going on tangent. Yeah, no, Um, I totally need to get like a picture of these (laughs) yo-yos so I can understand what you guys. Yeah, you should Google it. Cappy factor, David, David Capurro. Um, cause David Capurro is also like a pretty big influence. He, he was a big part of the West coast scene. Um, he helped start, um, spin docs, um, out there and like, kind of get that whole like scene flowing. Like he would help organize the meetups and stuff like that. So he was a pretty well-known person out there. Mm. I mean, he was so no, he, he flew out as like a yo-yo celebrity to the East coast wow. um, to judge and, and whatever. So yeah, anyways, <laughs> Kathy factor. Then they gave this kid, Matt, um, that same yo-yo, but they made it like this ice blue color called the wicked factor. Cause out here in Massachusetts, wicked is a yo-yo that we, or wicked is a word that we throw out. So I think he thought wicked was a cool <laughs> name for yo-yo. So anyways, he got his yo-yo and then immediately quit. Cause I oh. guess that's all he cared about was getting the signature <laughs> yo-yo. I think, I think he had previously been on team Omega cause that's when he was on the McDonald's commercial. Right. Um, but then he got the yo-yo and then he quit and then he kind of just disappeared. Oh, Matt Rose. I'm sorry. I think that was the name, Matt Rose. Anyways, so he disappeared. And so they didn't have anybody in the Northeast. And the way you got on the team at the time anyways, was you actually submitted a video, um, to the overall team captain, I think, which I'm pretty sure was Rick Wyatt at the time. Sorry, when Um, you mean video, do you mean like, because of feeble minded dudes, like, did you upload something to YouTube or? Right. So, so, you know, we're again, we're going back in time. Um, so VHS tapes ruled the world, um, at this time still. So you were mailing like a straight, you're, you're mailing a VHS tape in the mail. That's what you do. (laughs) There was no uploading videos to anything, you know, like it didn't exist. Um, you know, I mean, you could put videos on the internet, but it still wasn't how normal people would share videos. Like nobody was smart enough to do that yet. Right. Like there were tech tech people that understood how to take a video and code it. Um, cause you had to encode them. Um, cause it wasn't like you just had a video file and like people didn't have software to open those video files. And, you know, I mean, no, there, I know iPhones, no one was using <laughs> Mac computers or anything. It was all windows machines and all very archaic. So Anyways, yeah, so film, filmed it all in a VHS and, uh, you know, threw it in the mail, filmed a little video showcasing what I could do on uh, a classic Spin Factor 2 yo-yo, mm. which if you look up that yo-yo too, it's so narrow and it's rounded. Um, 
I, but I was really good on narrow yo-yos. I, I always used narrow yo-yos back then. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Anyways. So, you know, I kind of, I, I feel like they may have had a list of tricks you had to do. Mm. And then you had to do like a freestyle or something like that. And my skill at the time was not amazing. Um, but it was probably good enough. And I emphasize the fact that I was really into teaching at the, at the store because I had just started working at the store. And I think they saw that and, and that kind of piqued their interest. So, you know, I, I, they sent me a letter inviting me to join the team, um, said, said they would send me some yo-yos and stuff like that. Um, and I was really excited. And at the time I think it, so it must've been 2002 cause that was my first year I went to the world yo-yo contest in Orlando at the time. Mm. And, uh, they, you know, they, they, I saw her, they're like, yeah, we'll send you yo-yos and da, da, da. And then like, didn't hear a single thing from them. <laughs> and I decided like go to worlds anyways. Um, and so I, I took a trip to worlds and still didn't have <laughs> gotten any yo-yo. So the sponsorship itself wasn't really <laughs> anything too grand. Cause I'm pretty sure, I think I may have gotten a yo-yo at worlds. I can't really remember. Mm. Um, but I was way too shy to like say anything. <laughs> um, I did get a, I did get a team shirt. Yo-yo jams colors were, were purple, um, and this awful teal color at the time, which is kind of funny cause that those colors are really in right now. Yeah. Um, but at, at the time, they were not. <laughs> and we, we had these horribly ugly bowling shirts. Everyone had bowling shirts because bowling shirts were apparently what everyone thought was really cool to <laughs> yo-yo in. I don't know. When, you yeah. go, when you're on a team, you got a bowling shirt. <laughs> um, so we had these purple um, with black stripes and hot pink trim <laughs> um, yo-yo jam shirts. I'm sure I still have mine somewhere. I'm sure someone else does too. That we used to be on the team back then. They were like, wow, like pretty, pretty atrocious, but it was still like pretty damn cool at the time, you know, mm. like here, here's our shirts. And uh, yeah, I mean, it just kind of progressed from there. I, I, I worked really well demonstrating teaching. So they gave me a couple cool opportunities to, um, Again, the Smithsonian, we went to the Smithsonian and we did these demonstrations for these invention invention days they had. Mm. So they would talk about like how things were invented and it was like very science focused. And so the yo-yo was like one of the most, you know, earliest inventions of a toy. So we kind of focused on that and taught people all about the modern yo-yo and the invention of ball bearings and stuff. So I got a lot of really cool experiences out of that and just kind of continued to prove to them that like, I had a really good, you know, kind of demonstration esque thing. Mm. And, uh, at the time, I guess like, so kind of progressing, I, I was getting ready to go to college. Um, I continued to, I was always really close to the members on the team and connecting with them. And eventually, you know, Rick Wyatt, um, decided that he was, not going to run the team anymore. Cause it was a lot of communication, a lot of work. And it was just good timing for me because I was in college. Mm. Um, it was my second year in college. Uh, I think like AOL instant messenger was how everyone talked to each <laughs> other at the time and email, you know? Yeah. And I was, I was really always tech savvy by that point. Um, Cause growing up in the middle of the woods and nowhere, I never <laughs> had internet. And so once I got to college and had high speed internet, it was like, Oh my God. So I would just like go all in on tech. And oh, so I was able how? to really okay. communicate with people fast and efficiently and always been like a really fast touch typist and just find the easiest, most efficient way to do whatever it is I need to do. And so I was really, really good at connecting with people. So I started like running their team cause I was able to take players and talk to them and find out what their needs were. Um, because at the time yo-yo jam was having a hard time keeping players on the team happy. And it was all just communication issues. You know, mm. what, what do you want as a player? What do you need? What's important? Um, you know, what kind of contest do you want to get to? How, you know, how much do you need in terms of money? Here's what the team can do kind of thing. And so I just kind of took it on in full force and got really into that. And, you know, they were all my friends anyways. And so it was really important to me on a personal level to take care of these people. And so it just turned into a job from there. And, you know, I was still working at the toy store, um, at this time too. So I would go to work and kids are coming in with their yo-yos broken and I'm constantly fixing them. So it was very natural for me to step into a customer service role for yo-yo jam too. So like 
you know, they had me answering their customer service emails. And at the time it was all about monitoring the forums. There were uh, three, three or four main forums at the time. Um, yo, 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 com and Dave's skill toys and the yo, um, and eventually yo, yo nation. Um, but you know, it was all about kind of trying to help people with their problems with their yo-yos and yo-yo jam had a lot of problems at the time too, because they had issues with either, um, cracking, you know, the yo-yos themselves would crack internally or they might vibrate or quality control isn't perfect or the bearings or whatever else it is. People wouldn't put something on. Right. And so I was always, my job was to try and help people with all of that. And so just kind of continued to turn into a job because I understood I had kids come into the store in person with the broken stuff. So I saw it in person. I was able to react to that. And so when someone emailed me about a problem, um, even without context, I generally knew what was going on just because of all the experience in person. So yeah, it's, um, it's, and yeah, I mean, it just kind of progressed from there. Mm, it's crazy how much yo-yoing is a part of your life. Like you, I don't think there's anyone who is more exposed to yo-yoing than like you were, but a question I have been dying to ask you is what is the story with the dark magic? How did that mm-hmm. happen? Because I remember, and I'm sure a lot of people who were taught by you remember their first dark magic. And it's this angelic high tech thing that everyone needed and like loved. And how did that kind of come out from this whole yo-yo jam experience (laughs) so uh yeah i mean the the dark magic was 2003 i believe Mm. um maybe 2004 actually it might have been 2004 (laughs) it's been a while (laughs) and so at the time i had been i had already been running their team for a little while um And I was always excited about the idea of like a signature model, um, (laughs) especially since I'm at the store teaching kids constantly. Um, Like I always thought it would be cool to teach on something that, you know, I had designed. And I had always had some pretty strong ideas about what I wanted in a yo-yo. Um, because I always, I always gravitated towards very specific models. Um, and they were generally a little bit wider, a little bit heavier. And so eventually yo-yo jam was at a point where they were like, okay, like, let's make a yo-yo. Um, cause I had definitely proven I had the ability to sell yo-yo jam yo-yos, um, at the store. Uh, like we could, you know, we could, re- <laughs> we were selling a lot of yo-yo jam yo-yos, you know, cause everyone would buy it to start on. And the, you know, their first, second, third, fourth yo-yos were probably all yo-yo jam yo-yos. At the and time. That, yeah. That was me as well. That was like, I had, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, continue. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was, it was a big thing. So yeah, I, I sketched out what I wanted and the key components of it was, um, very nice flat rim on the side, um, you know, kind of arched up. Um, and then I had figured out, um, I I was always really good at snap starts. That's kind of where the flat (laughs) rim comes from. Yeah. Cause it was, it was very important for me to be able to snap start the oil really fast, especially for freestyle. But I also thought it always looked really cool (laughs) to snap start a yo-yo and go into a trick. Mm. So there was that part of it. And then the, uh, thumb grinds, I had kind of figured out how to, or a lot of people call them inner ring grinds. Mm. Um, but to, to balance and catch the yo-yo on your thumb, um, yeah. that was a big thing. That at was the time like, that iconic. I like, yeah, <laughs> I kind of figured out how to do it originally on a speeder, um, from yo-yo jam, which was Hiroyuki Suzuki's signature yo-yo at the time. Oh, wow. So um, did the speeder come out first? <laughs> So yeah, the speeder, I had had a, yeah, it did get released first before the dark magic. I'm pretty sure. Okay. Um, or at least right around the same time. Mm. I'm pretty sure that's when I kind of had figured out how to do it and drew this sketch out anyways, to mm. try and create more of a little flat rim area so I could catch it. Cause I had the idea. I couldn't actually do it very well when mm. I drew out the sketch. I do remember when I got the speeder, <clears throat> whether or not that was like before or after, I remember like being there like, Oh, I can hit this really well on this now. Um, 
so the dark magic at the same time kind of just kind of came out and like that was a focus. Um, and it was kind of funny because by trying to create that weird rim to catch it, um, <laughs> something, something weird happened with the weight. Um, because the way yo-yo jam had to do that, the, the yo-yo was pretty wide already and it was already pretty heavy. So they had to cut weight somewhere, but I had wanted this flat inner rim to catch it. So where they cut the weight was from the very top right part of the rim. If you looked at a cross section, Mm. um, so right under the flat part, they kind of cut up and in and out. And what it did is it did this very interesting weight distribution, um, where there was a lot of center weight. Um, but then there was also a lot of rim weight and there weren't many yo-yos, especially at the time, um, that had a weight distribution where there were two kind of two focused points like that. Most were either all or nothing. We either went all rim weight, you know, mm. um, or it was like a plastic yo-yo and it was more evenly distributed, but it was always about rim weight, rim weight, win weight, longest spin times. And the dark magic was a little bit more well-balanced than that. And, um, and so, yeah, I mean, it came out, um, and for me, it was like, it was just perfect. I really, yeah. it, it did, it did the few things I really wanted to do so well. Um, and I very much enjoyed it. And I was really lucky because a lot of key people, um, just really grew to love how it played. <laughs> <laughs> and that include, um, like Paul Hahn mm. and Yuki Spencer, oh, um, wow. one national, one nationals with it. Oh, um, Augie. Augie Fash won nationals with it. Mm. And um, Shane Karen, funny enough, uh, won off string and freehand with it. With um, the, at the national magic. contest. Gosh, okay. With the dark magic. Wow. <laughs> this is all the original dark magic. Yeah. So Man. It, it had a lot of success in a lot of different realms in that sense. And when we first released it too, at the time, we had kind of like a mini yo yo boom. Um, at our local kind of club, we had had a couple of schools that all got into yo-yo at the same time. Mm. And we were teaching yo-yo classes. We would have like 20 or 30 kids. And I was really at my prime for teaching too. I was just so into it. Mm. And so when the yo-yo came out, we had our regional contest. Um, and we, I think we had almost a hundred and something people compete. It was, it was unbelievable. And I still remember we, we sold through like a hundred dark magics in person. Oh gosh. Um, which again, at the time, it just was, was a big deal. Um, Cause it was an expensive so, yo-yo for the time, right? Like I remember oh, totally. 40 US yeah. dollars. I, I mean, today it's not that crazy. Like that's seen as affordable, but like factoring inflation, I remember I was like, wow, this is, this totally. is the Ferrari of yo-yos when I first got it. Totally. Totally. There, there were a few at the time that were kind of in that ballpark, like H spin, had started making yo-yos that were all metal that were kind of getting edging on the hundred dollars, but they weren't making that many of them. Um, so this was definitely there. I mean, the yo-yo that came before <laughs> dark magic, that was, that was it. Um, that had a very similar impact was the Hitman, mm. uh, um, which was Johnny. <laughs> yep. Johnny Diwali's yo-yo. Um, cause when that released, it was a very similar thing. And, uh, it released at worlds and Johnny was, had done everything right too. in the same, in a similar sense, we, we always followed a, uh, similar path, me and him. Um, and I got, I got to give him credit too, because he also inspired me in many ways in terms of how to market, present a yo-yo and stuff like that. He always kind of got, um, a very, he had a very good sense in terms of how to market something. Mm. Um, we always, we always tended to take opposite uh, directions and angles on our marketing approaches. <laughs> mm. he, he, he's kind of always been the yin to my yang in that sense. Um, but we still, we, we balance each other really well. And we had a lot of similar experiences in respect to that too. Um, and in some ways too, we kind of pushed each other on those two. So the Hitman came out and I definitely learned a few things in terms of like how he introduced that model made a video championed it. Um, and so I kind of took a similar approach, but my approach was introduce a video, get people excited about like the thumb grinds and stuff like that mm. and start making tutorials. Um, cause again, my focus was always on teaching at the store. Yeah. And so I wanted to show people that this was a really good video to learn on because at the time, yo-yo gym yo-yo still became responsive out of the box. Mm. 
and you, you would make them unresponsive um, if you wanted. Um, Cause to me at the time I was still playing semi-responsive, like I could do a bind, mm. but it wasn't necessary. And yep. since I was teaching most of the time, I would still do flyaway dismounts and that's <laughs> kind of how I played, you know, it didn't need a bind. Yeah. Um, Johnny was actually one of the first people to really push like the kind of unresponsive play that you think of today where mm. like no matter what you do, it won't come back. Um, mm. he, he would use concave variants. He, he very much helped popularize the original concave bearing, um, because he would put shims to widen the gap on the hitman, throw the concave bearing in there. And that yo-yo was not coming back unless you knew how to really bind. Mm. So you know, yeah. at the time that was, that was one way to play. And I still kind of did semi-responsive play. Mm. Um, so for me, dark magic was just a really good way to show people, you know, yeah, you can play in responsive and really good, but you can learn really fast on this. Um, it has all these elements. And if you do continue to practice and get really good, you can also learn all these other tricks that you can see in the video. So that was kind of my approach was to try and, you know, show people, you can do a little bit of everything. So I, I, at the time I had a website that is funny enough, still online master. Magic. Master magic. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that was always, I was, I was big into, at the time I was always big into magic. Um, like art of illusion, card tricks, stuff like that. Like it always been something I was really into. Um, and so I was, you know, especially it, 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 magic tricks follow a really similar thing with yo-yo to me in that it's about, um, you know, showcasing what you do and there aren't like secret tricks so much. Um, but it still is about, you can make a trick look really different depending on how you do it. And that's like how magic works to a certain extent. It's all about the performance. It's all about the flair. It's all about the timing. It's all about the pattern and stuff like that. And so with yo-yo tricks, you can, you can make something look really good if you put the time and energy into it. So again, that was kind of always an angle for me. Yeah. And so it bled into that really well. So I just kind of stuck with the whole magic thing. I mean, I've still, still dabbled in magic tricks a little bit. I just still enjoy doing it off and on. Um, but you know, yo-yo took over and that's kind of, that's where that all was. So anyways, collaborating on a little bit, but you know, had the whole website, had trick tutorials on a dark magic. And it just continued to kind of take off. People really learned from that and would reach out to me and let me know that, you know, that they really enjoyed learning and ask 